Hello everybody, welcome back to the Drum Network's Predictions 2021 podcast part 2. In this week's episode, I'm joined by two fantastic guests from our network to discuss everything they want to see for the rest of the year and beyond. So we had a fantastic discussion ranging from everything from a continuation of the empathy which we've all garnered and come to expect from both our clients and our workmates over the previous couple of months to tech trends that we think are going to be vitally important for everybody to get on board with. But to begin with, I'm going to ask them both to introduce themselves, please. Hi, um, I'm Damien Farrar. I work at Jack Mortimer. I head up the innovation practice. Uh, and I guess for me, uh, the speciality that I'm focused on is uh, emerging technologies, content and data, and how you bring those things to life in brand experiences. Nice, fantastic. And Emil? Hi, my name is Emil Bielski. I'm the managing director of Crowd in the UK. Uh, Crowd is a global performance and digital marketing agency. Um, so yeah, our focus is very much on kind of driving change through data and through performance channels for our clients. Nice, fantastic. Well, you both mentioned kind of the need to drive change and these kind of emerging trends around technology. So definitely talking to the right two people today about our 2021 predictions. And I wondered if we could maybe begin with you, Emil, if you could take us through which of the trends that we've seen over the past year are you hoping that will be carried on in 2021? It's been, you know, a disruptive year, to say the least, but there has been some good that's come out of it. And I wondered if you could maybe take us through something that you hope is continued. Um, yeah, so I really think that over the past year, there's obviously been a huge amount of negatives. But I guess one of the positives to take out of it is really um, a more open-minded approach to how we work and where we work from. And I think through that, we're going to generate a lot of value um, as agencies, but also uh, business, uh, wider businesses as a whole. Um, I think this greater flexibility in where people work will also lead to a greater focus on that work-life balance. And I think a lot of people have been reappraising and reevaluating um, their lives throughout mm. this process. I think also there'll be a more favorable view of the gig economy of distributed workforces, people uh, working in different locations around the world and kind of working in places that suits them better. And I think businesses will be more accepting of that. And, you know, at Crowd, we've very much been uh, embracing the gig economy. Uh, we have, you know, two and a half thousand uh, Crowdies working for us around the world. And it's <laughs> definitely um, been during the times of COVID, this kind of um, the focus on this part of our business has definitely uh, been kind of catapulted forward and and we're definitely seeing more diverse talent come into it. And then finally with that, with this kind of focus on work-life balance, I think, you know, everyone has become much more um, aware of mental well-being in the workplace. So again, I, I believe this will be something that will continue on forward um, in the kind of post post-pandemic era. Nice, fantastic. And do you find that that's not just the case, you know, within agencies and technologists, but that's the case for clients and brands as well? Absolutely. Um, I think everyone has had to adapt. Everyone's learned lessons. And, you know, I see from our clients and the way they work is also changed. Nice. That's really good to hear. You know, if it had just been a sort of one corner of the industry that was doing these things, then, you know, it might not have stuck. So that's really good. And uh, Damien, then the same question to you, which of the past which of the trends of the past year are you hoping that will be will be carried forward? Because, you know, it's been a nightmare for for many reasons, but there has been some good that's come out of it, as Emil mentioned. 
Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that um, we can kind of take as positives. Firstly, and, and tying into what Emil was saying, is this idea of uh, digital transformation. I think it's been talked about for years and years. It's been this hype, never fully understood. Mm. Um, and in a very short space of time, we've seen it uh, integrated in a way that nobody could have predicted um, a year ago uh, across businesses. And um, I think too often business transformation is seen as, as an output rather than a process um, and something that influences culture. So uh, that's something certainly that I'm hoping to, to kind of see uh, progress over the, over the next year or so. Uh, and I think tie, tying into that again is, um, is thinking about the audiences that we create experiences for. Uh, and that and those audiences fall into two camps we've obviously got our clients uh, and the people that matter most to them um, and so uh, similarly to digital transformation I think customer experience and CX are also being banded around for a long long time without a full understanding uh, and certainly something that we're focusing on is customer experience but really putting uh, people at the heart of it so using digital processes and platforms to, to drive a better human experience rather than relying on uh, the technology to, to handle the experience itself. Okay. And not to, not to be, you know, too devil's advocate here, but this last year was one where we saw a lot of those changes almost forced by circumstances. So do you think then that the trends around digital transformation will be carried forward because people recognize that they're, you know, valuable in their own right and not just something that has been forced upon them? Yeah, absolutely. It's a really good question. I think the the uh, just the simple things that we're seeing um, in terms of people's uh, behaviour and, and collaboration um, bring to life the the value of digital transformation. So now people can actually see what it is and understand what it is. I think it's easier for them uh, to to help um, with its uh, manifestation in the future. And Emil, it looks like you've got something to say on that topic. Um, yeah, I think so. Um, so, yes, transformation has for sure become, I guess, a necessity rather than a nice to have. And, and part of that is driven by the fact that so many of the experiences that we took for granted offline are now moving online. Mm -hmm. And I think the benefit of that is that we stop looking at digital and performance marketing as purely a numbers game, you know, which I agree fully with, with Damien on. And that people there has been this increased focus on driving not just saying the word experience but really thinking about marketing on a human level mm. and how we can somehow replicate what people were able to have um, from going in store and trying to bring that into an online domain so i think that's positive and will for sure kind of elevate kind of digital and performance marketing going forward so how would the how would those changes manifest themselves then in is it not just a uh Rather, is it a sort of change in how you know we approach our our own journeys online, and we've sort of said, well, actually, this is almost artificial. How are those changes manifesting themselves in the lives of the average consumer? So yeah, like what one technology that perhaps has always felt like it was on the cusp was um, you know augmented reality and how that can improve shopping experiences, yeah. um, social commerce as well. It's about you know cutting, bringing the product closer to the customer personalizing it around them and then you know giving them an easy opportunity and easy journey to buy that product so it's really you know it's a transference of that experience that they might have 
that personalization that they might have when speaking to someone in store and bringing it bringing it online so that would just be one example and for us from a media agency point of view it's just remembering that you know we're not just looking at aggregated data sets that we are thinking about the customer and the experience that they'll have from everything from how they click through on pvc and seo through to um how they may end up buying the product through um an augmented reality experience so nice that's fantastic we've we've actually been exper experimenting internally at the drum with some ar and it's it's one of those things that's almost very hard to get across unless you've actually experienced it yourself. So to hear that maybe this year more people have adopted it is... Yeah, one of our clients is UGG and, you know, they're releasing their fluff, yeah, speakers. Uh, yeah. Speakers, speakers? Why do I say speakers? <laughs> slippers. Slippers. The fluffiest <laughs> slippers. And I enjoyed the augmented reality experience. Um, we built for them so much that I, I, bought, I bought some for my mum. Uh, <laughs> nice. So advertising does work. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. On, on, the, on this Drum Network podcast, the advertising works. I'm going to uh, search up both uh, slippers and uh, speakers. See, <laughs> see what comes out of that. Nice. So, I mean, we could we could say this question till the end, but I think it's important to get it out of the way now. Actually, is 2020 was almost an opportunity to stop and reset. We'll get into that slightly more later on. But uh, are you both confident? We we can start with you, Damien. That the your own organisation and the industry as a whole are going to almost not necessarily recover but they're going to be in a better place to continue to you know deliver upon the work that clients have asked of you by the end of this year or do you think that we are still going to see that kind of the cooling effects the slowing effects of the uh, the covid pandemic well we're, we're super optimistic uh, i think you have to remain optimistic uh, in the current landscape uh, that things are, are going to start to recover um so we're, we're in the business of getting people together in physical spaces, which has obviously taken a, a massive yeah. bash uh, uh, over the last year or so. Um, but what we're starting to see is clients looking at um, how they can start to shift from the virtual and hybrid experience that they've been creating over the last nine months or so back to uh, a more of a focus on live experiences. Um, and so what we're doing is helping our clients to kind of create strategies and roadmaps, I guess, uh, for the next 18 months or so. Um, because what we're massively aware of is that uh, there's going to be this huge appetite to um, get together, uh, for people to get together, and that we need to help our clients understand when and where uh, they should do that. Yeah, so makes sense. I think there's been a few parallels uh, being drawn to, to the Roaring Twenties uh, that followed the uh, Spanish flu in 1918, um, where kind of society will revert to this era, uh, era of um, indulgence uh, as people seek, I guess, uh, experiences to make up for, for lost time. So um, we're, we're hoping that that will fuel um, the, the recovery and the growth of the business. Um, but uh, certainly clients, uh, was, we're getting a lot of RFPs um, for activity in Q3 and Q4. Oh, fantastic. And I could really go for some debauchery right now, so fingers crossed we will enter that kind of the new period of Roaring Twenties. Uh, how about yourself, Emil? Are you more confident that you know, you're going to be in a better place to deliver upon kind of the promise and, and, and what agencies, uh, rather what clients expect by the end of this year? Um, yes, I am. I mean, I think... From, you know, there's a, there's an agency crowd answer to that question. There's also the kind of wider industry answer yeah. to that question. You know, we're lucky. We're a digital performance and marketing agency. 
um, 2020, you know, there's a big shift to digital, um, you know, out of traditional channels such as press and out of home, that was accelerated. I think uh, digital made up 78% of the UK ad economy based uh, on this uh, report from IPG. Nice. And, and um, you know, so crowd kind of benefited for, for, from this. Um, and I think it's a positive time for independent agencies, especially ones which are digital first. And because I believe more and more clients will look to digital agencies to be their lead strategic partners, because why would you, um, why would your lead strategic partner only be responsible for 20 or 30% of your media, you know, which is the above the line element. Mm. So I think there is the macro context is very positive. But then also on the flip side, there, because of the cost pressures that exist, um, there has also been waves of consolidation. Um, consolidation that we see um, across large uh, piece, uh, large uh, new business wins. So, you know, your kind of Coca-Colas of this world, etc. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of cost cutting measures that benefit uh, large network agencies. And within those large network agencies, we're also seeing um, a huge amount of consolidation. I think the news was confirmed today that iProspect and Visium will be merged into one agency and Visium will no longer mm. exist as its own entity, which I feel is probably long-term a negative for the industry. If we lose um, specialization, if we lose the kind of craft of what we do, yeah. um, driven by cost-cutting consolidation. So positive, but with a but. That, see, that I think is really interesting because we had a, um, on the part one of this podcast of the 2021 predictions, we had a couple of uh, other guests mention the fact that they they saw one of the big positives to have come out of the past year. This idea that you could no longer be a sort of you know general expert. Clients actually were looking to individual agencies for expertise in that given area because, you know, when in times of great uncertainty, you look to those experts. So it almost sounds like you're... Emilia was saying that there's potentially a you know a downside to that consolidation, but at the same time, should we now be trying to capitalize on that demonstrable expertise in our you know our chosen areas? Yeah, that's that, uh, absolutely. I think once once many clients um, once clients realize that this the most important sales channel is the kind of the digital kind of marketplace or their website, then a huge amount of the focus of the business goes there. Mm -hmm. And suddenly that supplier that you have that's managing your technical SEO, that's managing your PPC accounts, becomes incredibly important to the success of that business. And that, in my mind, prevents commoditization of the of what, what we do day to day. And I think that is, you know, that's definitely been a positive, that it's less important about focusing on a, um, a small margin on commission it's more about who you are and what you deliver for clients. And, you know, that is a long-term benefit for our industry as a whole. Yeah, certainly. And Damien, I suppose that given what you do, you've had clients who must be clamoring for information about sort of your own predictions about what the next year will bring and how best they can actually reach audiences in that kind of real world space as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we've we've gone through the, the last nine months, I guess, is, is a huge... Um, uh, pivot away from live experiences to virtual experiences um, and a massive learning curve for a lot of people to understand how to deliver uh, experiences online that uh, are that have a have a value to them 
Um, and so in the first instance, uh, clients were super focused on what platform we were going to use. And uh, <coughs> that platforms quickly became a commodity. Uh, and then at the latter half of last year, it was focused on um, the experience of how do you create an engaging experience uh, digitally. Um, and now the real focus is on innovation of uh, continuing to push um, the uh, envelope of what's possible uh, to create uh, hybrid experiences. So looking at how we, we merge the best of live and digital experiences, but also recognizing that you have to pick the right tool to do, to do the right job. Uh, it sounds uh, pretty obvious, um, but uh, that, that's certainly what we're helping and consulting, consulting with clients with at the moment in terms of uh, what, what is their hybrid strategy, what should they do in real life, what should they do digitally, and where is there an opportunity to bring those two things together. Um, so, yeah, it, it goes back to the original point about a huge, huge learning curve over the last year um, and just understanding when, when the right time is to do things. And some clients are absolutely not interested in doing anything virtually. They would much rather wait until they can get back uh, to real life to, to create experiences mm -hmm. for their audiences. I suppose then uh, an obvious question is, who do you think is doing those virtual events really, really well? Are there any standout hybrid or virtual events that you can think of over the past you know, 12 months even uh, that, that you'd sort of see as being a model for the way forward? Yeah, I think it falls into a, a, a couple of camps. Um, and so we've seen two paths being taken. One is to create very cinematic uh, experiences, so the likes of Apple uh, and their product launches mm -hmm. um, uh, have been created beautifully. So they've gone down this kind of path of creating uh, long-form cinematic content to engage um, people. Um, the other extreme, I guess, is looking at interactivity and um, looking at how brands are playing in virtual spaces. And this is very much in its infancy at the moment um, because it's quite clunky uh, trying to navigate a, a real virtual space with other people and a brand and what other, whatever other components uh, you have to that. But if you think about... Um, Fortnite and uh, an Epic and their Unreal Engine. I think that's where mm. the real opportunity lies to look at how you blend this filmmaking and game playing um, uh, capabilities to create experiences that provide that value for for the audience. Well, I, I you know we saw some of those, and I know that my my younger brother was actually present for some of those kind of those live events within Fortnite itself, and it's been completely fascinating to watch. And I suppose that leads neatly onto our next question, which is other than the pandemic itself and other than, you know, ensuring that people are within lockdown, what other trends have you seen shape how we talk about marketing over the next few months? You know, we've I suppose that the obvious question is, you know, what tech trends have emerged and would have emerged regardless of the pandemic? Because particularly around digital advertising, it, it seems like a lot of the a lot of the trends that we see come in fits and starts. So, Emil, has there been anything that you've seen emerge over the last couple of months that you're really excited about? Yeah, sure. Um, so there's quite a few big things, I think, that are happening and that will, you know, kind of land over the next few months, the next year, maybe the next two years. Um, probably probably the, the first to talk about is around, um, around uh, data 
data privacy yeah, yeah. and what, what that means for digital marketing so obviously we've got the ios updates we've got the chrome impending you know uh, blocking of third party cookies um we have um a huge um a huge uh, amount of oversight coming from bodies such as the cma etc so it's definitely going to have an impact in what it is that we do and how we operate in the future uh, there's a number of number of products and services that you know we as agencies can offer to help our clients um, on that journey to you know to uh, to drive consent and to ensure that um, regulations are adhered to and the right technology infrastructure is in place but i think there's a wider kind of macro piece which is measurement effectiveness and mm -hmm. what we mean by that will change quite drastically and we will probably have to move away from last click methodologies uh, we'll have to use more statistical modeling techniques and i think by doing that in fact we will open up opportunities to invest uh, more in brand and brand building activity so this is very much a focus area for crowd and very much a focus area for our clients as they also move out of the pandemic um, they see uh, the need to move away just from instant results and i feel this shift away uh, from from the state which we're currently in combined with this increasing focus on privacy will just reorientate how we judge success within digital marketing uh, which i think will be very interesting yeah absolutely i, I read a there was a oh damien go on no, no, I just, uh, I thought it was interesting because <clears throat> measurement and data and the ROI of brand experiences uh, was was kind of top of my mind when you asked that question. And it's interesting to hear what Emil was saying there, because I think there's a lot of parallels. Um, historically, brand experiences have been fairly tricky to measure. Uh, it certainly got easier over the last couple of years um, as we kind of look at proximity sensors uh, we explored facial recognition, but that's um, kind of been put on hold for a while, understandably. Um, but I think what the what more kind of virtual and digital experiences have enabled us to do over the last uh, year uh, is is to provide much more detail and data back to clients on the value of the experiences that we're creating with them. Um, and so what we're exploring is how we now really explore uh, data analysis to, to help um, shape the experience rather than analyze it. So yeah, it's super interesting to see, to hear what Emil was saying there, I totally agree. Yeah, it's been really interesting actually to hear that conversation evolve over the past couple of years. And then there was a really good piece actually in the New York Times about how they're, they're managing this transition to sort of much more performance-led uh, analysis and to kind of that statistical modeling and how they actually go about maintaining that brand so is it fair to say then that how do you how do you phrase it is it fair to say then that this year we're going to see a lot more consideration about what brands mean to core audiences and their you know potentially core consumers rather than this kind of you know fly-by-night measurement of how we you know have typically interacted with audiences online Emil I don't know if you want to take that one yeah, I think, um, I hope so. I think the more holistic we can be in how we think about audiences, how we think about brands, the more effective the activity will be. The answer is not always performance. It's about, 
you know, taking a strategic view and making choices about, you know, what is the most effective path for growth. And mm. I feel the luxury to be able to think like that will will kind of reveal itself once once um, you know <laughs> once we return to a more more normal state. So yeah, absolutely, and it's you know it's an area that we are very much investing in and building uh, effectiveness and strategy. And that's where you know where we see the growth coming from uh, within within our business. Nice, fantastic. And Damien, from from your perspective, then which brands have you historically considered to be very very good at having that sort of very strong relationship between? brand and consumer kind of both i suppose on and offline you know in live events and just in terms of general comms it, yeah it's a, it's a good question i think um generally automated brands uh, uh, do a pretty good job um i don't don't necessarily want to break it down by sector but yeah, um i can yeah that's a good example i think uh, of brands that do that and uh, it goes back to the original point around customer experience because because I think that, um, generally speaking, obviously not not always, customer experience is very formulaic, um, and so layering this kind of brand uh, piece over the top of customer experience is super interesting because it allows you to think about a brand as a world um, mm. rather than just a series of channels that it exists on. Uh, and the other thing that is is really important in this space is that you know marketing used to be about making sure that you were meeting the needs uh, and wants of of customers and there's a huge shift to also meet the value their values too uh, and that's growing in importance uh, and a big shift that we're certainly seeing um, impact on on the work that we do with clients that's really nice and that's a that's a great phrase about thinking of a kind of a brand as its own kind of world and of itself rather than that focus on channels i haven't heard it said that way before and Damien, we've we've heard from a lot of our members that they've used the past year to really reflect upon their own practices and how they, you know, treat not just their own individual, you know, team members, but in fact how they deal with external comms as well. We touched upon this before. I just wondered if you have found that you've used this past year in that same way, and you know whether that's something that you're that's changed how you think about you know members of your own team and anything like that. Yeah, I think uh, it, it's a. It was been a fairly soul destroying experience to go through. Um, yeah. But it, it, as Emil said at the top, there's some real positives that have come out of it. Um, and I think the one thing for me is that it makes you realise how um, human nature really forces people down the path of least resistance. <laughs> and uh, it's been a bit of a wake up call, I think, that um, we t- we talk about disrupt- disruption a lot, but we tend to um, we tend to park it because it's not the straightforward conversation to have with clients. So for me, it's really about how we become a little bit more provocative. We ask why a little bit more and start thinking more about the opportunities we can create um, to meet their business needs and business challenges rather than necessarily just answering a particular brief in a moment of time and, to, and trying to create, as I said earlier, this longer term roadmap uh, of experiences that uh, we can implement for, for them and their audiences. That's great. Like, what a fantastic thing to have come out of a bad situation, that idea that you can be provocative, you can almost say, well, look, we have this expertise in a way that you don't necessarily have. 
Yeah, and um, and I think it's one of the things that we're we're certainly pushing um, from a from an innovation practice angle at Jack Morton is offering clients workshops and offering our help. So we're not necessarily always going to solve their problems. We're going to help them solve the problems. Um, so there's a number of different approaches that we're taking uh, to to the collaboration issues that we have with our clients. Yeah. That's, okay. Damon, yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we, we've had that experience as well. I think there's been, um, you know, us going through, you know, these kind of cataclysmic kind of events over the past year has really brought us closer to a number of our clients. And with that closeness, you know, it kind of breeds this ability to be, be, be more challenging. You know, on one of our clients, I love it, we kind of describe ourselves as family. And with that, we're just allowed to be that that bit, you know, that bit more pr provocative. I think, you know, not, not not as provocative as some families are, uh, but you know, it just it, it, it that trust and that that the trust that has been forged, um, I think, has now set us up very well uh, for for twenty twenty one. That's great. I, for some reason, I kept expecting you to use the word cheeky there, and obviously, you you can you can talk back to them in a way that you wouldn't have done before. <laughs> So and then I suppose as the as a final question is whether your plans for the next you know couple of years have been disrupted or you know streamlined or you know almost this has provided an opportunity for you to focus on what matters to the agency and what matters to kind of the industry as a whole going forward and the value you can offer to kind of not just your own team members but I suppose to the industry more widely. Is um, I I can I can take that. Yeah, um, go for it. I think um, I think this yeah going through something like this I think for us has um, it's clarified things and mm. interestingly living hand to mouth for this period of time when 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 uh, the world was turned upside down it also made us you know reevaluate and kind of rethink um, where it is that we're going and kind of face into the kind of the future of the industry and what it means for us so you know what does automation mean um, in digital and performance marketing how do we lean into that rather than perhaps shy away into it, uh, shy away from it how do we build the capabilities to realize the potential of it and how do we add value in new ways to our clients when perhaps some of the more day-to-day -day, uh, aspects of media buying uh, will be uh, kind of driven more by the platforms. So really building our strategic plan on how we can collaborate with our partners in, in new and different ways. And with that, how can we help people follow their passions and find new areas of growth for individuals within the business um, to then be able to support that as on this kind of next stage uh, of the journey. So yeah, it's, um, it's been positive, a great opportunity to, to reset, but from a product but also from a people perspective. Yeah, I think um, it, it, it definitely has. It's um, again, it goes back to the earlier point about kind of reflecting on on how to uh, how to push the business forward um, and just picking up on Emil's point there I think there's a massive opportunity now the the business has been restructured 
Um, and uh, as we go into what we hope to be a period of growth, um, looking at the type of people uh, that we're hiring in, in terms of a more eclectic mix of people, both to meet the super important DE&I initiative that we have at work, but also to recognise that um, that eclectic mix of people you know, gives you more productivity, more innovation, uh, and ultimately that um, goal of increased revenue. Uh, we're all businesses, we're here to make money, but I think if you chase the money, you, you end up struggling. Whereas if you put in place the right platform through the people that you have, um, the, the revenue is an out, output of that, an outcome of that. Um, and the, the reality is that whatever happens over the next 18 months, people are looking for more fun, more excitement, yeah. more happiness. Um, and so that's what we're focused on, making sure that we can kind of create extraordinary experiences uh, with, a, with a super eclectic mix of people, um, to, again, to come back to meeting what, what the audience need and want. That's fantastic. As ever, I, I came in at the start all full of energy and I thought I might have to try and buoy spirits up, but you've both been very optimistic. And if anything, I'm, I'm you know, you've, you've actually lifted my spirits rather than the other way around. So thank you very much for that. Uh, I wondered if we could maybe finish by um, sharing where the audience can find you and your expertise. So, you know, what's your website? What's your social? How do people find you? Uh, Damien? Yeah, I think uh, the easiest thing to do is uh, search up jackmorton.com and you'll find uh, us and our services uh, right there. Okay, sure. Um, you can, you can, the easiest way to reach out to us is by typing in crowd agency, so that's spelled C-R-O-U-D, uh, crowd agency, Google us, and um, you can get in touch uh, with me uh, through that website. Fantastic. Well, thank you to everybody who's taken the time to listen to this episode, and thank you very much again to Damien and Emil for sharing your insights around their predictions for 2021. Awesome, thank you. Great, thanks so much for having us.